Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Do or do not. There is no trap. You think that's air you're breathing in? Are you ready? Are you waking up? Because you're listening to the Urban Yogi Podcast with Will Blunderfield. Good day. You are listening to episode 88 of the Urban Yogi Podcast. My name is Will Blunderfield and I'm your host. I'm also the creator of the Wild Masculine Semen Retention Training over at willblunderfield.ca as well as Manhood Academy, the only online school that focuses on naked, erotic male bonding. Most uh, schools are clothed, but I have learned in my journey that personally I learn better when I see a naked dude in front of me performing the technologies of sexual transmutation because my mirror neurons simply get activated more easily than, for example, uh, putting my hands down my pants in a group of men or looking at a, a, you know, a diagram in a book. It just is not as powerful for me as actually being naked with another dude learning these technologies. As my dear brother Brian Carew says, It's like if you need to tune up your car, you'd go to a mechanic. Same thing with your body, with your sexuality. If you need to tune up your prowess as a dude, you'd go to another dude. (laughs) Same equipment, right? So today we have an incredible episode for you. I sat down with three amazing brothers, Logan, JP, and Brian. That's Logan Quinn, JP Kingston, and Brian Carew, aka Mr. Dex Parker, for a two-hour-plus interview that covered everything from sex kung fu and male genital cutting to bro bonding and the drama triangle from Carpeman. Trust me, this interview was pure fire. Logan, the founder of Medicine of Man, has spent his life searching for ways to live like a modern-day Tarzan. He studied kinesiology and body-centered psychotherapy for over four years and now helps clients at his Vancouver practice heal from chronic mental and physical dysfunctions using his own formulation of psychotherapeutic massage. J.P. Kingston, a transformation and holistic lifestyle coach, has worked with thousands across the world to reclaim and rewild their primal power through sexual alchemy, primal movement slash embodiment, nutrition and detox, breathwork, and subconscious rewiring. Brian Carew is a holistic movement and breathwork coach, registered respiratory therapist, movement flow instructor, and a 700-hour RYT certified, deeply passionate human who is all about moving the body. His mission is to help people feel more confident, connected, and safe in their own body through the modalities of primal movement, dance, somatics, breathwork, and energy work. I'm so grateful to know these amazing men and to have had the opportunity to share their insights with you today. So without further ado, let's dive into this incredible roundtable conversation. Don't forget to subscribe to the Urban Yogi podcast on your favorite streaming service to catch all of our latest episodes and join the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and let's get started. So I am here with some amazing friends, Brian, JP, and the one and only Medicine of Men. And I just thought it'd be fun to have like a roundtable podcast. I've never done this before. It's always been just a one-on-one show. 
Um, but I feel like for this topic that it's so juicy that, you know, they say, you know, two heads are better than one. Well, I'd say four heads are better than two. Oh, so let's, um, let's tune in. Let's rub our hands together. I always like to start the podcast with a little meditation. Let's chant in Gaelic. Gaelic is the language of my ancestors. So you can just bring your hands to your heart. We'll say, I bow to the light within and reminding ourselves that in many cultures, the penis is actually called the pillar of light. So I bow to the light within. Sounds like this in Gaelic. And don't worry if you don't get it perfect. It's really the intention and just vibrating your, your loins that really matters. Here we go. Be me a crama Inhale. Suspend the breath, pull up on the anus, the sex organ, the navel, smiling up into the pineal. And exhale, making the heart sound H A. Beautiful. So there's just something ever since I quit alcohol, my life has shifted in so many positive ways. And it started with Purium. JP and I are a, um, brand partners for a superfoods company based out of the States called Purium, which means pure and premium. Yes. I just had my power shake and actually Logan drinks Purium too. And I sure do. it's so juicy, right? And um, the combination of quitting alcohol May 3rd, 2020, then flooding my body with superfoods and detoxifying from glyphosate, I just started to feel like better than ever. And I realized that if I just stack moments that get me high throughout my day, my psyche doesn't really want to drink anymore. Like I haven't really had any cravings. Like people were drinking last night at the party. I was like, that's, that's fine for them. But I wasn't like desiring to have any. Um, So I just want to ask you guys, like how has sexual Kung Fu impacted your vibration in your life? And when did you first discover the power of sexual energy? How about we start with Brian? Oh, this is a great question. Uh, uh, for me, or how how has it affected like my um, relationship to substance, and then like yeah, yeah, like how is it, and when did you first? Because I feel like you've been in touch with your sexual energy for a while. Mm-hmm. How does yeah. how what is that interplay like for you? And I also I, you use substances. I feel very responsibly. I feel like you're you don't abuse them like some people do. So. Does sexual kung fu influence that in any way or or knowing yourself sexually does that influence your ability to like manage your substance use in a way that's life-giving mm-hmm. i'd say i mean sex was a, a like something i abused for many years um i was Me too. just wanting to have any type of sexual interaction and always out of not always but very often out of, out of integrity it's like the excitement of it the thrill of it the dopamine the taboo-ness of it. So sexual Kung Fu first and foremost brought me into deep integrity and taught me that I could, I could give myself this energy and this love and this uh, um, vibration. And then in regards to um, substance use itself, like I've, I've always been really explorative and I do have like a good relationship with substance use now. I don't have any sort of worry or like um, that I'm, you know, in, in the shadows of it or like addiction. But I would say like the thing that helped me the most was just the, the, the longing, the lust for sexual energy and how I would compromise my integrity and get myself in maybe not safe situations, <clears throat> pardon me, or, you know, interacting with humans that just left me feeling hollow. Mm-hmm. So that's been the, the, the greatest relationships it, or it serves. It's like, I feel 
like unwavering in my sexual integrity. Um, and that's like shown up my partnership. And I used to be like open and polyamorous, not saying that that's bad, but that was like um, this work shifted me into now having like a divine union partnership where I'm like committed and I want to be with this one woman. So that's what it's, it's been for me. Yeah. That's beautiful, Brian. How about you, JP? I'm going to let JP speak. I just have to open up a window and get some cross breeze. Yeah, for me, um, I would say a lot of my journey with substances really diminished as I uh, started using Purium. Um, when I when I started really like detoxifying from my body, um, I was getting out into nature a lot. I was exposing my genitals to the sun. And I just had this like, I, I didn't crave, I didn't desire alcohol. Um, I ended up, I was smoking cannabis every single day for, I mean, 16 years of my life. And eventually got to a point where I was like, oh wait, I'm good. Like, I'm good. I don't need this stuff. And I hadn't really been exploring sexual Kung Fu uh, to the depths that I do now, especially with, with you and, and what we teach in our classes. Um, but I had been like working towards that and starting to understand those practices and just by using the superfoods detoxifying and starting to look at sex in a different way, I found more self-love within myself and not needing to utilize substances. And now I have a really beautiful relationship with it. Like I can, I enjoy a glass of tequila. Um, and I actually did have a little bit of cannabis last night. I took one little puff and it was just, it was a nice little shift of consciousness that I was like, this is cool. But at the same time, like, it's not something that I, I desire anymore because I feel just so good within myself. And I last weekend I was at a party and there was so much sexual energy with this burlesque show. And um, I was just able to really drop into myself and and share my own sexual energy in a safe way without any alcohol. And so um, and, and a lot of people were, were the same way. And so. Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's really been a part of, big part of it is detoxification and then finding my own self-love with these practices. Totally right. I call yeah. it my three S's, superfoods, semen retention, and sex transmutation. Mm-hmm. And it's great to, it's great to be in your body in a way that feels juicy. And it's like Salvador Dali says, I don't do drugs, I am drugs. Like I don't do lust, I am erotic. Mm. And as you, as you had that experience at the party, then people just come to you and you don't feel like you need anything from them necessarily. You kind of just are the, you're bringing the energy to the party that you want to bring. Absolutely. It's very powerful. Thanks for sharing JP. How about you, medicine of man? <laughs> Logging in on the, uh, the business account here. Nice. Uh, I feel like I came to sex Kung Fu in a very different way than uh, all three of you guys did, where I didn't know anything about it until I met you, cold dipping. But mm-hmm. it was very similar to an experience that I had in my four years of studying body-centered psychotherapy in a postgrad program, where what you guys are describing with the the ease of being in your body, for example, like JP, you were talking about being at this party last week and that the high sexual energy, immediately I could feel part of myself being like, oh, would I have reclined from that? Would my body have shied away? Maybe six, seven years ago, but not since... Mm-hmm encountering sex kung fu and body-centered psychotherapy do i have that practiced relationship with my body to go i have the stability and the grounding 
that it's safe for me to engage my own sexual prowess mm. in these events or in a connection or if it's with a client I'm dealing with like sexual transference and how that can guide us safely if we acknowledge it and allow ourselves to feel it into what's actually occurring for those people so it's it's just magic like I, I love what you're saying like I felt it last night as well a few times where you could easily just be prim and proper and your business person and you know oh, nice to meet you but it's so much juicier to just let yourself be there in an honorable way without needing it to be reciprocated or for anything to happen out of it it's just letting yourself flower like it is in springtime around the people that you care about without them having to be like please be with the bee that comes to pollinate me please like fucking enjoy my sexuality no just just witness it because i'm enjoying it and let it just shine onto you guys mm, i like that enjoying yourself enjoying your juiciness mm -hmm. it's That's a celebration so... first of yourself before it is for anybody else yeah somebody told me self-love is the only love and it's like as we feel more and more juicy then yeah it kind of I guess maybe the mirror neurons of other people get activated and then it inspires them to feel more juicy. And then it's just like mm -hmm. positive ripple effect. Mm -hmm. I love that. So all we really have to do is play with our balls and like hold in our semen a bit and just like mm -hmm. be fabulous. <laughs> move, move around a little bit. Like Brian fabulous. was talking yeah. yesterday about like open, open sacral chakras in, uh, in our blueprints. And I was nice. like, as soon as you start feeling it in your loins, mm -hmm. other people's got who have open sacrals who have the practice can feel the vibration. They might not even be looking at you, but they feel your hips moving across the room. And you're like, let's go. Oh yeah. I was feeling it yeah. last. Like I was feeling this beautiful life-giving vibration in the, in the castle that we were in last night. Mm. It was really cool. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is like drugs. I wasn't even mm. on drugs. It was just, but just the, well, I was on a bit of Kratom, but just the vibration of that was being created by all these open-minded and open-hearted humans was lovely to be in. Totally. What or were you going to say, like, JP? Oh, sorry. Okay. Go ahead, Ryan. I just want to say quickly on the note of alcohol, like, I think it's great to mention that um, a lot of people lean on alcohol, especially to supposedly enhance the sexual experience. And I found that sexual Kung Fu has, there's no experience greater than my sexual, whether it's solo or dual practice, meaning by myself or with someone else. Now that I have this resource that I've like come to understand how to cultivate this, like, like it's it's like there's no comparison so for every dude listening to this or any human listening to this it's like if you want to have the best sex it, the best sex has no substance involved because you're the substance right like the you know i am the sex <laughs> totally. so that's what i think that i think it's important to note is like it, it seems like a like a sexual lubricant alcohol but in fact it just it just um, makes it worse yeah it doesn't allow you to tap into your essence yeah, and I was finding it was making me have sex with people that I would never in my wildest dreams be intimate with sober. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you feel so bad the next day, and I feel like it pokes holes in your auric field. And some people are able to use it in a responsible way, but it really has, let's face it, it has destroyed the lives of countless humans. Uh, and like there's people are using it to like decrease the muscular armory so that they feel comfortable enough to engage what little life forces left available to them rather than allowing whatever muscular armoring is there to make them feel uncomfortable in the connection and then by virtue of speaking and connecting to each other allowing that connection to de-armor you and increase sensitivity rather than just numbing it right. so you can fill what small cup you have left mm. 
what needs to happen is like the stimulation and connection of going, oh, you've got a lid on top of one of these love vessels in your body. Let this connection slowly build the trust that you can open it and let me fill you. Alcohol just pretends like it's not there, just gets rid of it. Yeah. Right. I used to use alcohol <clears throat> to last longer in bed and, mm -hmm. and to just have more sex. Like, oh, if I'm, if I'm uh, drunk, then, you know, this person will find me more attractive because I can be more of myself and then I can have longer sex. And so that became a crutch for me for a while. And then I was like, wait, like, yeah, to your point, well, I don't want to have sex with these people. And, and this isn't like really satisfying because when I did start to like explore sexual Kung Fu, and I had my first multi-orgasmic experience, I was like blown the fuck away. I was like, holy shit, this is what's possible. No drugs, no alcohol. And having this incredible orgasmic experience, I was like, this is this is what I need to explore. This is what I, I want to like feel more in not just my sexual experiences, but in my day-to-day -day relationships of life and, and diving into that vulnerability around being the self fully rather than suppressing to your point, Logan. And so that's what it did for me. That's beautiful. The subtlety. I think things like cocaine and alcohol and a lot of these illicit drugs, they, they affect your ability to feel the subtlety of your erotic prowess, you know, to be able to walk down the street instead of lustfully going after a woman or a man that you see like really wanting them you know, having the subtlety to just inhale their extra yin or yang. So it's not vampiric. You're just appreciating them and inhaling their extra yin energy. And then you're exhaling as they walk by, gifting them your extra yang energy and feeling those subtle aspects of sexuality get really dampened down through drug use. I found things that help me get more subtle are things like kundalini yoga, um, semen retention, spending lots of time in nature and sunning my balls. And spending enough time around your bros, trusting each other. That's a, that's been a big factor for me, <laughs> mm. the coming from it as falling into it by surprise at first is like this big wall coming up, like, what the fuck are these guys about? <laughs> what is it? What are we doing here to over the years? Like, Oh, this is no different than a sports team. We're hanging out in the locker room, mm -hmm. but now we're actually talking about and acting on the things that we're most ashamed about. Mm -hmm. rather than just kind of like you know covering yourself up in the locker room talking to your boys about the, the recent hockey game yeah. you're actually completely nude and helping each other to feel your full vitality mm -hmm. that's just it and there was a fellow in our five-day bro bonding challenge self-pleasure challenge and he spoke at the end and he was talking about how he he gets it now and there's so many times when he was hunting with his bros you know while the women were back home and he felt that there was this sexual energy that wanted to be expressed or sort of a bonding desire, but he didn't act on it because he didn't want to be seen as gay or weird or strange by his friend. But then he realized it's actually written in his DNA. It's written in men's DNA to have this like bro-y platonic comfort type of desire to connect through the pelvic consciousness, the testiculum. Mm -hmm. And that might just mean like hanging out naked without gay panic coming up and just coming into a very deep wave of healing where the lower glands and organs are coming into coherence with your bros because iron sharpens iron. Totally. I love this, this uh, kind of topic of kind of talking about like, do we allow the sensation in or do we numb it? And a lot of people, or let's say men, that's like, they don't know what to do with it, right? We haven't, they haven't been given the, the tools or the systems or the approaches 
sexual kung fu is how to handle the 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 power of these subtle energies and just the other day i, I made a post about um like how dudes can last longer and satisfy their woman more and one of the tips i offered was presence and someone commented and was like well yeah but if i'm so present i'm gonna feel everything and then i'm gonna get too close and it's better mm -hmm. if i like distract myself and i'm like and my rebuttal to that is like why not learn how to master those intense sensations and you know like well why would you want to push that away you know like dive into it learn how to cultivate it and become the master of it i don't want to like be off in like baseball land i want to be there for it all and like if that means you know like having to learn how to you know hold that energy longer that's what it's about i'd say yes and i think it's easier mm -hmm. to hold that energy when we give ourselves permissions as humans to be primal in our expression i see modern humans like cage animals like little chihuahuas and when we're allowed to scream and hit pillows and, and you know scream into our hand if you're in a an apartment you don't want to, like when we give ourselves permission every day to to feel and express those emotions then it's easier to master them wouldn't you say absolutely logan can you talk about that primal exercise that we love so much where you're biting the piece of meat and fucking the brick wall i feel that would tie into this absolutely <laughs> i love i love that you use that cue i saw it the other day when you reposted one of the old videos yes um the exercise in particular that will's talking about call it biting tiger it's really an exercise to blend the aggressiveness of the jaw and the pelvis together so they mirror each other developmentally and how the embryo grows so neurologically there's a lot of connections between the jaw the eyes the lips the sensitive organs of the face and its connection to the world so it starts with like suckling the mother's teat for example to the degree you can feel comfortable and soft through the lips and the jaw and really open the esophagus and the trachea is the same degree you can open through the pelvis to the degree that you can allow yourself to feel your aggression in your eyes in your jaw is the degree of aggression you can feel on the pelvis. So this exercise of biting tiger, I'll back up a little bit here. I'll take the earphones out. Hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So biting tiger starts with either one or the other of opening the jaw to the sky and opening the eyes wide and then biting forward into a chunk of meat. If you're ready to couple both, then you do the same thing with the pelvis, arching back into a charged position and then a discharge. So as you arch back, feel your whole body build the energy and then discharge. Nice. And you can do it in a multiple of ways, whether it's aggressive or soft and enjoying, just like when you're making love, right? You can change the speed and the energy that you imbue the movement with to honor a different part of what you're trying to connect with. That's so bang on. And then I like how when you teach it, then you're like, okay, now like do it like very satisfyingly and you get us to slow it down. And it's like really enjoying the sensation of being primal. I caught a piece of that, but I'm pretty sure I know what you were saying. Yes. Just the, the, when, when you slow it down at the end, it's so juicy and giving men permission to be primal and to feel those quote unquote darker emotions. It makes me think of like studies done on Buddhist monks. The Chinese have raped and pillaged their villages for so many generations. And from a young age, they're not allowed to get mad at all. They're taught to go right from anger to loving kindness and not express anger at all. And so they have high rates of diabetes. And they found that when you bypass your primal emotions, 
you know, your primal sexual rage and all those types of sensations of being a human and just go right to like, everything's great, love and light, love and kindness. I'm just up here. I'm They're not even allowed to meditate anywhere below their belly buttons. You're literally sugarcoating your rage, your anger. And it's, what did they find in the study? When you bypass the rage and keep going to loving kindness without first feeling, feeling and expressing the rage, it releases high, high amounts of beta endorphin into the bloodstream, which affects the reuptake of glucose. So they're literally sugarcoating their primality and what they and really want to do. They're ultimately decreasing their soft sensitivity or ability to feel small stimulus. So it's like it, until the degree you can really tighten and create a boundary and express the rage and really honor the muscular armoring of either it's no or fuck yes, you can't soften into fully receiving the feminine. Until you do that, the musculature is still holding a chronic slight tonicity to it. So it can't fully relax. It's like getting a massage done, right? If I'm chronically tight, I can't get nearly as deep. I can't feel nearly as much soft touch. I can't enjoy nearly as much because I'm just jacked up. So it's the same thing with lovemaking. If you have not expressed your primal rage, it's going to be very difficult to feel safe enough in your body to really soften, which I think is what you were talking about, Brian, with like these guys being of two minds. They're like, well, I don't want to be fully present with this because mm -hmm. there's just too much for me to, to unpack here. So it's best to just numb it. And they just haven't, most people haven't, um, I don't know if you, oh yeah, like um, most people haven't gone to the places, right? Like we were talking about, if you want to master something, you have to feel it, you have to experience it. So there, I see there's two paths. There's like this suppression path, which is like, I'm not going to go there because that's not of divine or light, but it's all divine. You know, so it's like we have two choices. Do we want to go into it and embody it in order to transform it? And, you know, like go to those dark places and, and like become the real alchemist? Or do we want to, yeah, like subvert and like push things away? But then there's a cost that comes to that, right? Like we don't have a relationship with that now, I would say. So, yeah, it's like a lot of men who can't be present, I would say, is because they can't be present with themselves. They don't mm -hmm. have that level of presence with their own processing and they're not willing to see the beast and the boy and all the you know the dark aspects that we don't want to see but when you see those parts then your your level of presence and compassion is like it's 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 felt when you've done that work in, a, in the presence of others i love that and i love I um of, oh sorry go ahead jp i was just gonna say i think a lot of people desire to like be happy and to live in bliss and ecstasy right and we can only do that to the degree we go deep we go down into those primal emotions or that anger and that yeah that expression and so when we suppress that to your to all of your point we are unable to go to that the highest point that we desire that most humans desire and so this work has allowed me to really express these like primal emotions this primordial sense and then i can feel i just like feel in my body just this juicy energy and i can express myself and and be seen in ways where I was like really scared to be seen and beforehand. And I see it with a lot of the men that I work with. They're like, wow, like I can, I finally feel like I can really express myself through the simple practices of, of biting me. And a lot of people have a hard time doing that. There's a lot of men that I work with. They're like, I, it's hard for me to express my primal age. And mm -hmm. we go deeper into that. We explore that. And a lot of it is like, 
trying to put on this facade of like everything's okay everything's okay it's good but the more that we do that we just suppress our emotions and if we're not expressing our emotions what's happening we're depressing turning into depression so the key to depression is expression amen yeah i think that's like why it's so key for us to be doing this in community and in group away from our own individual sexual interactions to get the practice to get mm -hmm. the guidance it's like sometimes the very first flight of these big peak states of a new sexual feeling carries with it a whole bunch of baggage from the shadow that needs to be expressed first before you can really get in touch with what your true sexual desire is not the manipulative surface level gunk that is on top of this beautiful lake so being with other men doing this gives you a chance to like see what's underneath these new sensations unpack it get to know where your true self is in there and then go and apply it in a safe way mm -hmm. rather than stumbling through relationships and you know your sexual history putting damage out to your own body and to other people i love that and i love how brian says like if your car needs to tune up you go to a mechanic you know if your if your manhood needs a tune up you go to another man and this is an ancient thing that the warriors would do. I remember JP, one of our first lives, you were saying how you had a dream where your balls were being cupped by one of your bros and you realized it was this ancestral thing that had happened for generations before the matrix took over. Yeah. It's yeah, such I, had, I had dreams where I like, my balls were being squeezed and I'd wake up like, what the fuck is that? Like, is this like something like that I should be afraid of? And then we started diving deeper into this work i was like oh that was like a greeting it was like hey i see you i feel you i hear you let's go let's do this work together yeah aubrey marcus has been talking about that with dr bush and his podcast one of his friends went to live with a tribe in papua new guinea and they were they got him to get naked and cupped his balls when he arrived and he's like what's happening <laughs> uh, there's only i think a hundred uncontacted tribes left and most of them do these types of ball cupping rituals or really a lot of communication through the genitalia through touching certain coming of age rituals where they cup the balls or even sometimes slap the balls um so there's the balls and the penis are very much involved in coming of age rituals and ceremonies in general in tribes that have yet to be fully co-opted by the dominator system so we're just one bringing, of the reasons for circumcision right yeah different ways of cutting men off from the part of the body that makes them wild and free and so if you they can be more dedicated to the family yeah it's a way of kind of yeah taking a, a bit of the pleasure potential away from the penis and i think energetically cutting men off from and physically uh from from the penis is a way to control them i think there are ways to like through massage and certain rituals to kind of bring the power back to the penis. I've yeah. noticed, noticed that, um, you know, most of my clients are circumcised because most are in the States, but if you weren't circumcised, you were probably prematurely forcibly retracted. Most people don't realize there's something called the hymenal membrane that keeps the foreskin actually completely fused, just like your fingernail is completely fused to your finger. Um, and that membrane does not go away until you're anywhere from age six to sometimes 20 years old. And so a lot of people don't realize it's not just a little snip. I was getting in hot water with this trans activist recently and they're like, it's just a little snip. I'm like, you don't even have a penis, like shut up. And I didn't mean to be like mean, but I was fed up with these people saying, oh, you're anti-Semitic for being against male genital mutilation. I'm like, are you against female genital mutilation? They're like, of course, I'm having somebody on my podcast to talk about that. 
I'm like, well, then you're anti-Islamic, you know, because the preponderance of countries that practice female circumcision are Muslim. So, I mean, it's completely besides the point. It has nothing to do with religion and everything to do with bodily autonomy. But there's many different ways that they wound us in the roots. And it it indoctrinates us as little babies into the trauma-based mind control system. So the premature retraction, if you weren't prematurely retracted, if you weren't circumcised, you were probably sexually abused by a priest or some some caregiver. You know, I think 90% of all the dudes that I coach were sexually abused in some way. So yeah. there's definitely or at least a, two out of the three for sure of being circumcised and abused, being forcibly retract, retracted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's also an element there of like going back to what you were saying earlier, Brian, about some men wanting to create a limiter on the complexity of sexuality in some ways is probably tied to why circumcision was used in some of these cultures. Robert Bly writes about this in a few books where I was alluding to earlier. Um, circumcision is used as a way to cut the men off from their full enjoyment so they can be better dedicated to the family, which is further trying to embody the masculine archetype in an immature way. It's like, mm. how can I create a smaller vessel that's more effective? Mm or as opposed to just accepting that you have a fucking big vessel and it's really complicated and to really be a man, you're going to have to go into all of it successfully. Mm-hmm. Instead, they'd choose to literally castrate off a part of the body and psyche mm. trying to speed up that process. Mm. Oh yeah. I think yeah. Um, the, the age we come from too, uh, you got to think of, uh, well, I'll put a little bit of context here. I'm, I'm reading lots about the yoga cycles and we just came from, I mean, for those of you who are listening don't know what that is, it's just like our, our, our Earth gets closer to the center of the galaxy and further away. It's a huge magnetic, electromagnetic field. There's a lot of, you could say, vibrational information. And um, we just came out of an age where people thought that dense matter was it. That's it. So the manipulation of dense matter and, um, and also like deep acceptance of like, oh, I'm, I'm a poor farmer. I'm just going to be a poor farmer. So there's a lot of just like listening to the system, bowing down to it. Oh, I have to do this thing if I want to be this type of person on the note of like circumcision and, and insane practices. But now we come to a place where we know that energy, is everything's vibrating. People are like, actually, maybe I don't have to do this fucking insane thing that makes no sense. Like maybe I don't need to eat cereal from a dude named Kellogg's who is castrating children that has literal like actual metal in the cereal. Maybe I don't have to do these things anymore. So, you know, like <laughs> people are starting to question like, what's the point of this stuff? Why is this even happening? <laughs> Why are we cutting our, uh, something that evolved on my body with an intention and a reason? <laughs> exactly. And for mm-hmm. all those men uh, who have been genitally cut, um, I mean, I have, I teamed up with a guy who specializes in foreskin restoration and depending on how tight the circumcision is, there are ways to stretch the remaining skin and it takes commitment. Um, and then there's a company called Foregen, F-O-R-E-G-E-N.org. And they're now, they've graduated to animal trials. They're basically growing men's foreskins on the backs of sheep <laughs> right now. Um, so they've gotten, they're able to do that. Then the next trial will be human trials. And some of my students have signed up to be the guinea pigs in the human trial. And they're basically using stem cell technology to regrow your literal foreskin, like your blueprint of the foreskin. Um, So we'll see how that goes. They're predicting within 10 years, they'll have that technology available. So that's interesting. It's like, if you were generally cut and you want your foreskin back, would you go for that? 
and yeah, it would be interesting to see what that actual procedure is. And it's very, very interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. Something to contemplate. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, it happened and it's, it's like, do I need it to go back or can I, can I learn to live in full expression as it is? Mm-hmm. It's and like perhaps there's some divine reason for why you ended up getting cut that is necessary for you to fully be actualized. Like that yeah. wounding is necessary for your soul in this lifetime. <clears throat> yeah. I yeah. remember when I first learned about like the, the genital mutilation, I went to my mom. I was like, mom, what the fuck? Why did you do this? And she was like, whoa, like I was doing the best that I could with what I knew. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. of course, of course you were. It wasn't like intentional. And, but that was like, that's part of the system that they've, they've convinced people that this is what's right. This is what's best for him. And now that we are living in these, this age of technology and information, we do have the resource to, to make a conscientious decision of like, is this something that I'm going to do for my children? And I think that's, what's really powerful about this work and this, this holistic bound of wellness that we've, uh, we're all a part of is like now for our future generations we can make much more conscientious decisions for the the rise of the future generation the future leaders totally it's interesting jp and logan you guys are generally cut me and brian had a little mishap and our frenulums are destroyed <laughs> really <laughs> yeah That's true. i was having sex one time in high school and i like caught my frenulum on a zipper and cut it so. <laughs> oh my god yeah it, it was oh Ouch. yeah it was not fun it bleeds so much that area it's the pineal gland point in chinese medicine and, it's like and you know what's interesting you know what's interesting like just you describing that i feel it i can feel it because <laughs> we've also well, i've also been gen- uh, gen- uh, genitally mutilated so like there is that like trauma response of like oh my gosh mm-hmm. right and so yeah i was gonna ask you jp earlier how you feel about being cut now i know there seems to be some stability with it but if you you think into that journey for you what was that like um i think nowadays i have a lot of forgiveness around it and uh acceptance acceptance as as it is what it is um and uh learning how to manage like the high sensitivity there is like a lot of sensitivity there um and so learning how to manage the sensitivity with the lack of sensitivity um in like just different regions of the penis mm-hmm. um it's been a journey to like yeah to to practice and master it's really interesting in my research on male genital cutting some cultures and times and places it was done to the slaves as a way to emasculate them and take away their pleasure and even rabbis the initial circumcision was just a tiny little bit off the end but in ancient greece it was considered barbaric to expose your mushroom publicly yet nudity was a huge aspect of their society all the actors all the athletes all the warriors they would always be performing and training naked And so the Jewish dudes wanted to participate, but in order to do so, they would stretch their remaining foreskin and they would hang weights from it so that they would look Greek. Then the rabbis found out what they were doing and they're like, fuck this, we're changing the rule. 
and I can't remember the Hebrew name, but basically they went from like, it was like the Hebrew word for partial cut to full cut. And then they cut off the entire foreskin in a very tight and aggressive barbaric way. And it's actually written in the teachings, like the many, many rabbis throughout the last hundreds of years have said, the reason why we do this is to stunt the sexual pleasure and the sexual organ of men. It's done. They literally open. They're like, the more painful it is for the baby, the better. They like, op- the rabbis openly want it to be painful, um, which is really crazy. So in some cultures, it's done as a way of like veneration. Other cultures, it's done as a way of like emasculating the slaves. Other cultures, it's done as a way of taking away a bit of sexual pleasure, maybe to have them more focus on the family. And then in, in ancient Egypt, it was done because they, it was like an initiation into the priesthood. And they had this belief that if you were circumcised, you would have access to the secret wisdom. So it's like so diverse in terms of why it was done. It's so diverse. Because of the increased sensitivity temporarily. Like as soon as you expose it, it's mad sensitive, which is very similar to like an incredible DMT trip. Yes. And the mushroom in Chinese medicine relates to all the glands of the body. And in many cultures, they believe the glands, like the endocrine system glands, are the interface where the spiritual hooks up with the physical. So when you expose the mushroom in that way, there's more sensitivity initially. And it's like, maybe they believe that there's some sort of enhancement of all the glands and their ability to receive the spiritual energy or something. I could probably vouch for that. I mean, I started puberty really early and I'm circumcised. I started puberty early probably because I had uh, my dad just got into a second marriage when I was about seven. And immediately within six months, I hit puberty because my stepmom was around. So that increased vitality and being circumcised meant that I grew super fast. I was the tallest in my grade and now I'm the shortest. Mm -hmm. I have like all my friends, right? So it's like the organs develop super quickly. I put on muscle mass like nobody's business, but eventually it, it hit a cap mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm not intact. My whole system isn't functioning together. So it stimulated the sensitivity and the, the vital force very quickly, but then it has a root to it. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, this, this topic is really, I think it's really important for men to talk about this because many men are very insecure and I've seen literally thousands of dicks. Like I've seen so many dicks because I've been teaching naked men's yoga since 2010. So like all the dicks that I've seen, it's like, I've seen so many um, like circumcisions, right? Cause you're like in warrior one, there's just all these dicks flopping in front of you and you're just like, okay, there's a dick. And like, it's like, whoa, like there, <laughs> there's like skin bridges, you know, where the, the circumcision didn't heal in the way that, you might be ideal and so there's like these skin bridges somewhere along the mushroom to somewhere along the shaft there are these elastic bands of skin Mm -hmm. and you can literally like put your fingers between them uh when i was teaching in hollywood there was this fellow who the they had accidentally cut off the entire mushroom so it was just the shaft and some like skin at the end and later on because he was following me he reached out to me and he's like i think i have some trauma around my circumcision and i was like perhaps you know it's like there's that was the worst one i'd seen um but i've i would say 80 percent of all circumcisions that men have had are what most people would say oh that's a a certain kind of a botch 
I think all circumcisions are a botch, but I think most people say, oh yeah, like if you lined up all the dudes at 80% would be okay. They didn't quite get that one right. You know, or they cut off too much of the frenular area. So then the guy has to sit down to pee because the pee dribbles out of the bottom of his shaft. And it's really interesting because there's a practice in, in certain Aboriginal cultures in Australia where they, it's called infibulation, where their version of circumcision is they literally cut off the bottom of your dick so you have to sit down to pee for the rest of your life. And they put like a wooden stint. They like splay your dick apart. So you can see the entire urethra along the bottom of your dick. Like, it's like, I just want Jesus to come back and be like, that's not what I meant. Or like whatever God people believe in. It's like, no, you got it wrong. I, my, my message was not to cut your dick. It was to clean it. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's like the game of telephone. You know, it's interesting. I'm, as you're like talking about all this, uh, I think I kind of had like maybe a little connection with something that that's that's happened with my penis um, on my left my left side of my penis there's this like vein that like has kind of balled up in a way and I remember like when I was younger my homies and I we would watch porn together and we would we would jerk off together it was like the thing that we did you know it was like kids exploring this when and then eventually I got like wow, this is like gay. Is this like, you know, going into these stories. Um, but one day my friend made fun of my dick because I had this like balled up kind of vein on the left-hand side. And now that you're saying this, I'm like putting it all together. Like, oh, that's probably from like a snip that, that like, I don't know. I don't know, manifested this different formulation of it. So um, oh, yeah. yeah, anyways. I was, I was going to say really quick on that note, and uh, JP, I, I like that you brought that up because I think like they also one of the importance of our work and revealing ourselves to each other is so can so we can be like, hey, all dicks have uniqueness and and, exactly. and they're all beautiful in their own. And like some of the most healing work I've done with men is like look at their dick and they're like, you have a beautiful dick. And they're like, yeah, JP, you've got a great cock. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really nice and, mushroom. And you do too, Will. Thanks, bro. That's so and, powerful, and so men are so many men are afraid of that. It's like uh -huh. I, almost every man I've talked to has a little bit of shame around his dick, and how powerful is it for us to like reveal our our penis, be seen, and to witness other dudes' dicks, and be like, this means nothing besides what like besides it feels nice and it feels like brotherhood and, and companionship, mm -hmm. but it's it's so like it's so triggering for some dudes. Yeah, it can be so healing. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that really plant medicine and breath work are ways that dudes can help? get their psyche into a place where they could be more comfortable with this work. For sure. Breath work. Yeah. It depends it on where they're approaching things from, right? It's like, yeah. if, if their mind is on it, any tool will get you there because that's the thing you're focusing on. So you could go and do breath work. You could be going through psychotherapy. You could be doing pelvic floor work with an RMT who's, you know, trauma trained. It doesn't really matter. You know, once you're ready, you know, if you're watching this podcast, you're probably in some way prepping yourself to look at yourself in some way. And it might not be in all the ways that we talk about here just yet. It wasn't for me. But over time, it deepens just like the proficiency with breath work, the proficiency with being comfortable with your own emotions and being honest in psychotherapy. Would you say the universe kind of tests you to see if you're ready or to see what your... Um like how badly you want it. Like I, I found in my journey, like I was part of this group, um, beautiful men and women, we would go cold plunging 
I was the only one who would get naked and the head girl who was leading the cold plunges, I was like, are you okay if I get naked? I just really feel called to be like, have no barriers between me and nature. And she's like, oh, that's totally fine. Like I, she's actually a Polish girl. She's lovely. And she, um, she said back in my country, I would, I used to get naked when we did cold plunges, but now that we're in Canada, I don't. Um, she's like, but I, I totally don't mind if you do. It's just probably in this group, they're a little bit more prudish and they probably won't. Um, so she gave me permission to get naked and this was maybe in 2018. And so we'd go every Wednesday morning at 7 AM and the guys would get really uncomfortable when I would take off my clothes. I had this massive beard. It was kind of like Alanis Morissette and her thank you. Thank you, India. Thank you, Tara. And she had like the long locks of hair covering her tits. It's almost like I had my long, you know, beard covering my dick almost, <laughs> it was almost down to that level. <laughs> but they were like super uncomfortable with me being naked and they would kind of like make fun of me. And, but then one time I got a call from one of the guys who would make fun of me the most. He's like, dude, like, I'm, I'm really curious about this. Like, could, could we do a documentary on you? And like, could we like come to your naked yoga class and like participate? And then, so I said, sure. And then they got really scared and they canceled, but then they like eventually came and they did this documentary and mm -hmm. um, they realized the power of it. And then long story short, I was, I decided to really sort of pray that I would find more guys who were comfortable being naked in nature. And then this miracle happened where there was this Scottish man growling on a rock with like super hairy balls. And his name was Silver Storic. He's been on the podcast. He's actually friends with Logan. They were in another men's group. So I was That's actually funny. at, yeah, I was at their watering hole. He just hole called and, me. Really? He literally just called me. Yeah. Oh my God, it's synchronicity. He knows that I'm, he knows that we're talking about him. And so all of his dude friends were in the water with their booties and their toques and their everything. They were covered head to toe basically. And then he was naked on the rock. So I was like, can I be your friend? He's like, yes. And he like gave me a hug and like his hairy dick was touching mine. I was like, this is great. Um, and we've been really great friends since then. And then since then, I, then I met Logan. And then, you know, I started to meet people around the world and I started to coach clients and then I stopped drinking alcohol and it all just like the universe totally started to correspond to the nature of what I preferred, which is like, I want to be around open-minded humans who aren't afraid of their bodies. But it's like, there was this interlude period where the universe was testing me, where I had to be okay with being made fun of first. And I had to be okay with being the only one. I don't know if you guys have seen that viral video on YouTube of that crazy guy dancing at a music festival on the side of the grass. Yeah. And everybody's like judging him and he's just like, woo, like having a great time. And then after like a few minutes, this other guy joins him and there's just like these two guys and everybody else is like, oh my God, what are they doing? That's weird. <laughs> and then like after like eight minutes, slowly but surely, the whole like thousands of people are all dancing like lunatics on the side of the hill. And I feel like that's what we're doing. It's like, sometimes you just have to kind of hold your own. Somebody said every mighty nut, every mighty oak tree was once a little nut that held its ground. We just have to like hold our ground and literally hold in our seed and be the change we want to see. And then it starts to have this ripple effect. I like this I'm actually curious. Part. I was going to ask, uh, sorry, Brian, I was going to ask JP a question real quick. I'm curious how you ended up meeting Will and if you were doing sex Kung Fu stuff on your own stateside and what, that awakening was for you because for me I, I only figured out sex kung fu was a thing because i met what will cold dipping with silver so yeah yeah so a lot of my journey began like i first came across sex 
kung fu like 10 years ago uh, as I was road tripping across the states with a friend uh, two friends and we had been going to uh, fish shows like these jam band shows and I had done a bunch of acid these weekends and like getting super high drinking and then we went to a hot springs and that was the first time that I got naked in front of my friends since I was like I don't know 13 years old and so like had some breakthroughs where I'm like oh man it feels so good to walk around these hot springs to be naked let my just my balls hang and my penis swing and then um we left the hot springs like the next day we're driving back to Nebraska where I'm from and my buddy is like yeah so I've been practicing uh semen retention and my other buddy's like fuck that dude you gotta ejaculate it's good for your prostate and my other buddy's like I don't know man I'm reading this book called the Tao of sexology and and he's seen he's he gives you practices and he talks about the energy and how it like we can cultivate life force and chi and I'm like sitting in the back and I'm like RJ tell me more man he's like yeah you can just like squeeze your anus and you can like shunt the energy up to your spine and I was like okay so I'm like sitting in the back and I just squeeze my navel my rectum my sex organ I do a kegel basically what the what we would most would know as a kegel and I just got so fucking high like it was just like this instant like blast off and I was like holy shit there's there's something to this and so uh shortly after like my my friend RJ he got me into um looking and studying under Paul Check um and Elliot Hulse and I bought the Tao of Sexology and then I lost the book um like a couple months later and so I kind of like put that aside and just focused on the holistic health realm and then um as I was <laughs> and, then, and then as I was I'll just mute uh, my mic <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh, like five years ago I started uh really living my Sagittarius self of being nomadic and um yeah just started getting into nature naked a lot and you know in these beautiful canyons and and these rivers and just like basking in the sun and I think that's when I started Purim and Will and I kind of got connected a little bit and then um yeah he recognized <laughs> what I was doing <laughs> you were doing a live late late night you were doing a late night live on Instagram and then I came on and you're like oh Will's in the house want to come on Will and I was like sure and then we started talking about ball cupping and just like all these things and I was like oh my god this dude is so open-minded and yeah, it was really cool. It was that was kind of a synchronistic meeting too, because I didn't know you very well at the yeah. time, and uh, I'm glad that I was on the live. Like, I'm glad that I was on Instagram at that time because it was it was cool to have that chat. Yeah, yeah, and we just had that conversation, and and then kind of one thing led to another. But like, one of the most powerful moments that I had, speaking about being in in nature and being naked, is I was living in Tucson, Arizona, and there's this uh this uh, nude hiking trail it's like blm lands and there's like a sign that says beware nude hikers blm like black lives matter no bureau land management okay <laughs> what's this i don't know about this land I yeah was like, I was like, that sounds off brand to me I'll, it's I'll it's it's uh you know united states blm <laughs> nude hiking <laughs> and so i'm like on this i'm in this uh it's like goes down to this river basically and there's this big beach that people hang out on. They just sunbathe naked. And I'm uh, 
I'm on the beach and I'd gone down there a couple of times, kind of like hung out in the corner by myself with my, with my girlfriend at the time. And it was just her and I. And then this one guy comes up over this like waterfall and he's just wearing a flannel and hiking boots. And he comes up, he's like, oh, it's so good to see some, some young people here. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you've been coming a lot. I'm like, yeah, a little bit here and there. And he's like, cool. Well, there's some beach games um you want to you want to play some beach games he's like you can play some bocce ball i was like that's okay man like i'm i'm good i'm good so i went and just sunbathed by myself and he came back over like 20 minutes later he's like you sure you don't want to play some bocce ball i was like fuck it dude let's play never played bocce ball we're just i'm just butt naked he's got his flannel on and i learned bocce ball and i had one of the most like enjoyable moments of my life where i'm just laughing playing this game which I end up learning that it's like a, it's a Roman game. So there's kind of all these like synchronicities of like Roman times and just being naked with my bro. Um, and it really like, it stimulated this thought because I had been watching a lot of Will's work. I'm like, wow, this stuff is fucking powerful. Like when I can just be myself, look in the eyes of another man, we're both naked and just see each other for who we are. Like this is releasing a lot of my own, inner mind workings of shame and fear and guilt of of being who i am of being seen right and so um yeah and then will and i went live shortly after that and and then eventually started working together that's a beautiful story man it's like watching how will got into it watching how you got into it and brian you individually to go back to your question will like how did you get into it and was it the same way as i feel like there's so many unique ways people come to this that for me, it was only because I saw you guys doing this, that you were leading the way, that there was this time where you felt like the outcast and you were calling people in. And had you not done that, me personally wouldn't have had this experience. And it sounds like JP, you had a buddy who was kind of like you and, and your buddy are what Will did on his own or what Brian may have been doing on his own. So mm-hmm. I'm, whoever's listening, there's going to be some unique way for you. Maybe that's listening to this podcast. Maybe it's seeing one of one of our lives talking about it or go go to a new beach. You'll meet some weird people sometimes, but you'll notice something about how you feel that might be curious to you, which is kind of like the crux as to why we all stumbled down this road is we couldn't help ourselves. There was this hunger for a deeper truth and relaxation in our body and mm-hmm. anything that got in the way of that, there was a tool for it. One of them being sex, Kung Fu, traditional Chinese medicine, breath work. I think this all really ties into with how Will was saying, like, the universe, like, is it pushing you towards stuff? And what I was going to say before is that, like, I think, well, I believe that, like, the universe is paradoxical. Like, you have a destined path, your highest path, and then you have choice. And when I look back at my path and how I came here, everything was leading me towards this. Like, I was a very hypersexual teenager. Um, but I, and I also understood, like when I, I understood the necessity for heart connection at a very young age, but because of lack of education, I got stuck into lust. And I didn't understand that my desire for sexual energy was a desire for cultivating this eroticism. And then like plant medicine, I've always had, when like most of my plant medicine connections are very sexual and like Wachumu is deeply like sexual. And when I met Will, he just like randomly invited me to a naked sex kung fu class and i was like this is so yes i'm hanging weights from my balls right now this is so yes and i saw a picture of you brian because we'd met briefly at an audition for ice cream uh yoga teacher commercial role 
Yeah. And, but then, uh, but you were all like vegan at the time. You were like totally emaciated. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. And then I became vegan and I went through that stage. Um, but yeah, I, I saw a picture of you online. Was it maybe you and Vern? You had your arms, you were naked. You could see your bare butts and you were looking at a beautiful mountain. You had your arms around each other and you had your oh. head like that on his shoulder. Yeah, that was actually a friend named Cashin. And then, well, that the timelines are a little bit skewed there because that was like, that picture was definitely post uh, veganism. But yeah, I was definitely, that was the most. You didn't look, you didn't look emaciated in that photo. Yeah, that was a bit more juicy, Brian, but um but it, i guess the point i'm trying to make here is like any of those who are listening if you look back you can see how life is guiding you and it's like in both ways right we think that it's only like the good stuff that's guiding us no when bad shit happens that's guiding you too it's telling you hey like get back on the road like when your crisis happens that's the most like it's a loving nudge but it's just a hard loving nudge to be like hey you're not like get out of here go back to the thing you're supposed to be doing <laughs> yes that yeah. picture of you, when I saw that, I thought that is a visual representation of what I feel modern men are missing. Yeah. Camaraderie, feeling comfortable in the body, being naked mm. in nature. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but that's always been like, I always understood that. Like, and it's like, in a sense, like I, I, maybe it's different for everyone else, but I always felt very comfortable around men. And like, I never like the whole, even like labels thing. Like I was like, okay, I guess I'm bisexual or whatever, but I, I never really understood that either so like all the stuff that we do now I look at it in hindsight I'm like man like it was like I was in a I feel in a way born to do these things like this is very natural like being with my bros and like that kind of companionship and that love like that's something that made sense to me um but it's only until like these days where it's like more I guess accepted or recreating it but I just think that's an interesting thing to look back on like you can see how you've been guided to what mm -hmm. you're doing today if you're you know willing to look at yourself in that way right willing to to look at those aspects totally how did you yeah, go or so you go ahead jp <laughs> i was gonna say i want to i want to touch upon one thing there because mm -hmm. you know right what you're talking about is like yeah there's been these like timelines of things happening um and this is super edgy for me to share in this like public platform but uh, when i was 13 i was sexually abused i was i was taken advantage of and held a lot of yeah a lot of shame around it and like uh you know put a, a lot of responsibility on myself and um, I would have these like visions that I'd be like in front of a group of people speaking and like using my voice and like doing things. Um, and I would always just like suppress it. It was like every single day I would have like this memory of what happened. And then like me being in front of people and I would just continue to suppress, suppress, suppress. And so I would, you know, if, if I had to like publicly speak, I would be so terrified because I was like, there was like this preparation for me of like, hey, you've got to learn this. You've got to like do this and lean into it. And I continue to like remember, okay, if this is something that I'm afraid of, I need to lean into it. And so it just became this kind of ripple effect where eventually I shared about this, this experience. And then it got into a lot of more of this, like my own work of going deeper into the emotions, going deeper into my emotional body and then exploring sexuality in a sacred and a divine way where I could like really reclaim myself. And yeah, when I look back, I'm like, I was totally meant for this and like playing sports, like being with my bros and finding so much leadership in myself and like camaraderie um, and compassion. I was like, oh, like this was like the pathway that I'm supposed to be on. And so I just really, really resonate with what you were sharing. And 
um yeah i look mm -hmm. back i'm like definitely was supposed to supposed to be a part of this work in my life oh, yeah. thanks for sharing that jp yeah. a lot yeah. of people have that like that dichotomy of being in the whole sports realm like i want more of this i want more of this greek brotherhood energy while simultaneously getting these like whispers in their mind of like what well, am i bisexual am i you know i think every young boy probably every young girl going through puberty wonders am i going to end up being either gay or bisexual am mm -hmm. i going to be somehow the the outcast or the sexual outcast but I only in modern time. times yeah only in modern times yeah. most for the most part yeah i can't say for certain back then yeah. but um well i joked about too. it on our or, oh, sorry, one sec, bro. I, yeah. I was joking about it on our first podcast with Will here. Of, I used to think about it as uh, I was waiting for my letter to like gay Hogwarts. <laughs> Quite frankly, I was like, am I going to end up getting my letter? Like, am I destined <laughs> to go to gay Hogwarts? And I think that was for me my whisper of there are elements of me that are perhaps more leaning bisexually, but more on the sensuality side, not sexuality connection. Mm -hmm. It was so, so cute last night when Vern kissed you. That was so sweet. It was, me? yeah, you guys were kind of high or he, yeah. And it was just, it was like a brotherly kiss. It was like, I think he kissed you on like the cheek or the forehead. Like he came up from behind you to say oh, goodbye. Yeah. Right. He kissed you. And then you had this, like, you just kind of like, it was this beautiful, like brotherhood energy of like platonic comfort in your face. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, the world needs more of that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing that's available in both of those realms. Like JP saying, mm -hmm. he grew up with both of those elements. And yet here he is with both of them together at the same time. It's not a one or the other. You can get your letter to gay Hogwarts and also get the masculine brotherhood wrestling naked energy and it not always be sexual. And sometimes it can be. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, an, mm -hmm. it's an and model. And sorry, sorry. Well, just briefly. No, yeah. I was going to say, Brian, speak, speak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just about that. Yeah. Like the confirmation like this, Again, it's, I'm not um, projecting this on anyone, but like when I look back on my journey, sexual fluidity was like a language that was like written from the beginning for me. Like I, um, very early on, I was just like, if I want to hang out with a dude and give him a hug and a kiss, I just want to. And that doesn't mean anything about me. Like I, I know I'm more attracted to women, but sometimes I want to play with a dude. Maybe I want to play with a dude and a woman at the same time. But I look back at that and I'm like, in this context, because I've talked to so many men where they are like, I want to express myself in that way. And that's difficult for me. What else am I to think besides, oh my goodness, I was given this tool, this resource. Um, and I mean, I mean, people could say, oh, coincidence and this and that. But that's like what I find very empowering about this existence is like, we can decide what it means. You can write your own story. You can say, I was meant to do this work because of X, Y, and Z. And and that can be your truth. That can be your, you know, you get to narrate this, this story that you're living right now. Amen. <laughs> and isn't it easier? Like, I think a lot of people are scared of doing the work that we do because they think that if they engage in it, that people will think that they're not a hundred percent what this culture calls straight or heterosexual. And so I'm all for dropping the labels so that you can engage in these without having to attach, as Brian was saying, having to attach any identity to it or any meaning to it, other than that you're just a human having an experience. Mm -hmm. And I can see that maybe identity politics served a purpose at, at a, maybe a certain time. I just feel like it's the Aquarian age and 
it's all about de-armoring now. It's like about, in the words of Silver, dropping gay, dropping straight, and even bisexual, and just stepping into more manhood together, especially because there's a war on manhood right now. I think more and more people are waking up to the fact that, like, you could apply the same same logic to, well, I'm I'm a carpenter, or I'm a massage therapist. That's an element of you that your soul is in resonance with. Like, yeah, you embody part of that. Is that all of you? Hell no. So how, why would it be any different with sexuality? Mm -hmm. There's an element of you that falls into this category of male to male or female to female or whatever connection. You don't need a label for it. It just is. Mm -hmm. Just like I'm not a friggin' RMT. I'm not like I'm never going to be my business position. Mm -hmm. I'm this dude. I don't even know who this dude is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Might as well not even have a name to label myself. Yeah. Shaman Durek calls it, we're in the age of narcissism. People think all of these labels make them so unique, you know, Jewish, gay, crippled, Puerto Rican, and so on and so forth, when really they're all the same. They're just tools the matrix uses to divide and control us. And then he goes on and says, labels aren't free. They come with baggage. There's all these sorts of implied traits and tendencies that you're supposed to take on the moment that you identify with one of these strictures. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not actually that unique. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of just like a controlled mechanism. Yeah, and I like the analogy of, you know, with sexuality, it's it's like temperature. There is no hot and cold, right? Mm -hmm. There is no hot and cold. It's just temperature. There's a hotter, there's a colder for some person. Some people really fucking love the cold. Some people really love the hot. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And if you love the hot, it doesn't mean that you going forth and enjoying the hot is going to affect your ability to also love the cold. Absolutely. If anything, it's nice to have both. <laughs> yeah. And you get to experience the contrast and you get to, yeah, just experience life more fully. Right. Mm. Yeah. I find with a lot of the stuff, like people get, people suffer because they try to uh, find what they are externally, right? Like, what am I? Am I bisexual? Am I this? Like the external pursuit for uh, identification and embodiment. And when, when you turn that around and you're like, when I, connect to myself and live in what my joy is and what it lights me up uh, because that's the divine like guiding me then it then you become that uniqueness you become everything that you wanted to become you become your one of a kind coolest ass expression but that's what i see a lot in the world is like you know a lot of suffering and confusion whether it's about your sexuality or gender or whatever it's like you've externalized and internalized an internal process you're not meant to like you don't need to like show physically all the things that are going inside, like when it's done inside, it will beam outside of you, it will be felt, it will be, it will be communicated through what you are and how you act and how you speak and, and every step that you take in life. And it's actually that simple. Totally. <laughs> but, but the mind doesn't like that. <laughs> no. And it's hard for people to think clearly these days because of all the poisons they put in the pharmaceuticals and the food. So one of my teachers, Lauren Johnson, who's a senior universal healing Tao teacher who taught me mostly most of what I know, he says the key word for these times is detox. And, you know, modern science is showing the gut brain connection is huge. And when we can get all the poisons out of our system, then it's just so much easier to feel on a glandular level who you truly are and what temperatures you truly prefer beyond the poisoning. If you're filled with atrazine, it's really hard to know what temperature you prefer because it's mostly the chemicals talking. 
and that's that's scientifically studied not only does it affect the psyche but it actually affects your penis and the the anogenital distance the space between where your anus starts and your ball sack starts it's a sign of masculinity development in the womb and there's a documentary on youtube called the disappearing male and there's just thousands and thousands of chemicals you know uh, cats will sometimes pee on plastic like computers and different plastic equipment because when the plastic shines in the sun, it releases the xenoestrogens inside the plastic and the cats can smell it. So they think it's like a female cat. So they go and like mark their territory on it. <laughs> you know, you ever, ever like leave something plastic in the sun for a long time, like many months and it, ha- it almost smells like a woman's pussy. That's a weird smell. It's got this like smell of like kind of like a, a woman who's maybe been dancing for like five hours at a nightclub and the pussy's a little bit ripe. <laughs> that's what I smell. Um, I'm like, whoa, okay, namaste. Let's go clean up a little bit first and then we can go down and have some kind of langash. Uh, yeah, so that all those xenoestrogens get leached into our bodies. And JP and I have found something called Biomedic which is, um, uh, you can use my code Urban Yogi. What's your code, JP? <laughs> Experience. Experience mm-hmm. uh, at ishoppurium.com for 25% off. And they did a study on American men uh, aged 20 to 65. And they wanted really unhealthy men, like men who were drinking lots and eating McDonald's every day. And it was a small study, but it was a powerful study because they had them take the biomedic, which is basically humic and fulvic acid, chicory root fiber, lactobacillus coagulans, and I think something else. Wheat germ extract. Thank you. Wheat germ extract. And then they measured the level of glyphosate being removed from their bodies over the course of the six or the eight weeks. And by the end All of this- while on, still on a standard American diet. Yeah, they said, keep eating the shit that you're eating. Like, don't change your diet because they wanted to see how powerful it was. And it removed 75% of the glyphosate within, I think, six or eight weeks from six their system. Weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. Yeah. So it's powerful. And not only does Purium use humic and fulvic acid, uh, Dr. Zach Bush has a product that Logan has taken that you, yeah. I, sh- I shot it up my nose. That was, that felt good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's sorry. quite great. It's very similar. I think similar it's called concept, like Ion but... Biome or something. Yeah. I think that's the recent rebrand for it, but like both of those products work really well. I've worked with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Purium for a few of the cleanses and it worked really well and take that as me not being a brand partner if you need like a an outside point of view guys it's worth taking if you're just gonna buy one product buy that above Mm. anything else because without the ability for your guts to be intact you could eat all the great food on the planet it's not getting in there Mm -hmm. yeah or it is but it's getting in there undigested and then it's (laughs) inflaming and causing all kinds of secondary uh autoimmune issues so yeah and i've been canceled by a few sort of woke companies because they think that by me by us talking about things like atrazine that somehow i'm transphobic i'm not transphobic i'm pro organic i'm pro natural and some people are genetically designed to be what we would call intersex and some people genuinely feel they're in the wrong quote-unquote wrong body despite it having nothing to do with atrazine but the truth is the chances of you having what we would call intersex genitalia. If you're a male fetus, if your mother has been exposed to high enough levels of atrazine, the chances of you being born as a male with genitalia that the dominator system would call intersex or transgenitalia is higher. It's just physics. It's not transphobic. It's just reality. (laughs) You can go into PubMed. I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. I've done tons of research on this. 
I did a whole degree in critical studies and sexuality at UBC. So there, <laughs> um, but you can literally just type in like ano genital distance, uh, intersex atrazine on PubMed, and you can get all the scientific research. This is not, people will get mad at, well, that was just the frogs. It was only turning the frog skin, making their genitalia. No, 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 honey, they've done studies on humans. <laughs> For everybody listening. Oh, go ahead, JP. Just to say, on top of that, we also have to look at all of the xenoestrogens that are out in the world. The the plastic clothes that people are wearing, the the BPA's, like the birth control pill runoff. I've been reading a book called Estrogeneration, and in certain municipal water supplies, like especially in Florida, for some reason, there's high level because the women will urinate, and their birth control pill runoff goes into the municipal. So the dudes are drinking birth control pills, which is feminizing them. Sorry, that just so we don't. I mean, we don't have to like necessarily, yes, we, there are studies that we can look at, but we can also use logic of like, what's going to happen if we are consuming more xenoestrogens or absorbing more xenoestrogens, that's going to make men more effeminate. Well, what happens? There's this confusion that can happen, especially when people are so stressed out. And then there's this push of like, you can really be whoever you want, which I'm all for. And it can be very confusing. And I know mm. that can be controversial for some people, but like a lot of people don't know who they are. So like to Brian's point, we externally want to place ourselves into this thing rather than coming back to who we are, coming back to the root with more primal living, with clean organic food, with detoxification. People are so, there's so much toxicity in our body that we were literally fucked up. And I think so many people misunderstand, particularly this panel of, the practitioners to say that we're not for your true self like somehow who you're being currently is not good enough and we need to make sure that you're being really you we care about who you truly are and mm -hmm. if that means that you're intersex or you, you're a multi-soul being great but we're just looking out for you to make sure that that's congruent and that your vessel is not tainting the it's like putting on you know a pair of sunglasses and thinking the world is painted pink when in fact if you take them off you see differently that's mm -hmm. all we're suggesting is like through some of these tools you can get to know who you truly are underneath and it's going to be an endless process i was a different person before i unpacked a whole plethora of things in psychotherapy and i would have said that that was my true self prior to that work and then i realized through unraveling some of those mechanisms i'm actually a different person than who i thought i was it's no different than detoxing. If I'm feeling more effeminate on some days, for example, smoking commercial weed, I get this little voice in my head for hours on end of, you're gay, you're gay. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Because no other plant medicine, psychedelic therapy, breath work will give me that. It's not like I'm in resistance to like, if I'm gay, fuck it, I'm gay. But if I smoke commercially farmed weed, from the combustion of those chemicals straight through the blood-brain barrier, I'm getting a extremely high dose of these chemicals altering my mental state. And I get mm. this echo of the energy of those pesticides, which mm. then creates this cognitive process of your gay Logan. Mm -hmm. And it's um, not just um, commercial weed, which is, yeah, probably been sprayed up the yin-yang with atrazine. Um, by the way, 60% of all American corn crops are sprayed with atrazine. And this is how they figured it out. The frogs were turning gay in the ponds next to the, where they were spraying. There's nothing, there's nothing abnormal about same-sex eroticism, but when it becomes this like compulsive thing where you have literally no desire 
to uh, impregnate a female and you just want to take it up the ass all day, every day. Oh my God, just fuck me, fuck, 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 fuck. And that's like all you can think about. That is what's happening with these chemicals is they're, they're kind of warping the sexuality. So it's not like your original sexuality. Yeah. Um, so Tran, I think it's called Tran or Trin. It's a certain steroid that men take for bodybuilding. A lot of men start to get really, really gay on that um, in the bodybuilding world. They're like, well, this is really weird. I've never had like any same sex desire at all. And then they do this, this um, steroid. So, yeah. And, and like even the whole um, young children being encouraged to cut, have their penises cut off and turned into a vagina or their balls cut off. Like I was uh, briefly coaching a, um, a fellow who thought he was trans and the doctors were of course really pushing him to have the surgery when he was like 14 and he had it. And then he realized a few years later, he'd made the worst mistake of his life. He's like, Oh shit. Like I'm not actually transgender. I'm not actually a woman trapped in a man's body. And now like he's super depressed and he was trying to come to the class, but it was really hard for him because he felt totally inadequate. Cause like he could, there was nothing to massage. He doesn't have any balls anymore. Um, so it's, it's just like how much of the desire to chop off your dick and balls is your like true self talking and how much of it is atrazine, glyphosate, pesticides, vaccines, all these different chemicals that you're being bombarded with. It's like how much is authentic and how much is man-made? That's my big question. I think it's like a mislabeling uh, of what it is that you're trying to cut out of you. We're like anthropomorphizing the thing that we're trying to cut out, which should be the toxins. But because we can't identify what the problem is, we're going to the body and we're chopping off a physical thing. We're going to a physical thing to chop off mm -hmm. rather than the part of our psyche that we're trying to get rid of, which is the poisoned part that's altering our state so we're we're we have the right mechanism but we're putting it on the wrong thing mm -hmm. i'd say to that as well like people aren't told what we are like and what's possible for us and that um in each of us there's a polarity right so many on on stacking on top of the toxic environment or the toxic chemicals glyphosate heavy metals these all these things that disrupt our hormones and endocrine system add that on top of the fact that we have this polarity within us, right? Positive, negative, light, dark, masculine, feminine, whatever you want to call it. Most people don't even have that knowledge. And then they think, oh, well, I'm a physical man and I have to feel like a woman. Well, I must be a woman now. It's like when I was a kid, I wore my mom's clothes. I wanted to wear thongs. I wanted to wear makeup. I did all those things, but never once did I, I was like, I have penis and testicles. Like I'm, I am incarnated in a, in a man's organism body. And mm -hmm. Both those worlds can exist, but now it's like people, they feel something inside and they're like, oh, well, that's real. I need to, I need to manifest and make that, that feeling uh, come into the reality. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's a dangerous game because feelings like what you interpret from the feeling is, is that actually you? Is that a, is that a subconscious pattern? Is that cultural patterning? Like where the, the emotion is irrational, right? It's just this concoction of, of chemicals. And then you've placed meaning on it. And then you have the world telling you, well, if you feel this way, it means this, and you got to start doing these things. Well, whew, that's, <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not, we're, we're not telling people what's actually possible for them and that they have all of this inside that they um, can work with. And then again, like the, the physical manifestation, you don't need to, if you castrate that all day, it's not going to change your inside. If you work on the inside, the outside will, will manifest uh, beautifully. Yes. And I don't know a single gender expert 
um, or surgeon who performs these operations who's ever said, well, maybe we should detox first so that the person, the patient can really see how they feel after and beyond all the poisoning. I've never heard that before, ever. It's not even included in the conversation, nor is what Brian has just said. Well, they make like 1.5 million per transition. Wow. Yes. So it's, it renders, like I used to be really upset that the gay men are being poisoned by the, the AIDS drugs, you know, when HIV is never even been isolated from the fluids of a sick host. And I was so upset. I felt so like, cause I used to think I was very, you know, gay in that community and this is wrong. And, you know, we're being discriminated against by big pharma. But then one of my friends said, they want everybody on something. They want to render everybody a patient for life based on outdated scientific narratives and robust industry profits that reek of public health manipulation, biopolitics style. So if they're, if you're gay, they want you on AIDS drugs, whether or not you test positive or negative with their scammy test. Uh, if you're trans, they want to cut off your genitalia and render you a patient. They want to have you on those hormones for the rest of your life, those synthetic pharmaceutically backed hormones that are going to just rake in the money. Cause that's, a patient cured is a customer loss, and it's far more lucrative to tell somebody that they're in the, yes, you are in the wrong body. Let's chop off your dick and balls. We're going to just keep injecting you with synthetic estrogen for the rest of your life. Then you're going to get cancer. <clears throat> then your bones are going to get all brittle, and you're going to have to go in other pharmaceuticals, and we're going to make shitloads off of you. It's like such a great business model, but it's so satanic. There's a decrease in polarity, too, through, through puberty, like pre-puberty a male body and a female body it sounded are, very bostonian there i like that pre-puberty <laughs> there's very little difference between the sexes until you hit puberty like when we study this in kinesiology they're almost identical in their brain function and their body structure and because of the built-up toxicity generationally you might not have a, an infant with any environmental toxicity, but because the mother and father were poisoned, you're not hitting puberty nearly as strongly as previous generations used to be. So now you're 14, 15, and like Brian was saying, you still feel those childlike polarities of some days I'm feminine, some days I'm masculine, just like the six, seven, eight, nine-year-old does. Wow, because that's we're such not, a good point. Yeah, we're not getting the same depth of puberty to create that difference. So it's not about getting surgery and reaffirming that bias. It's can we build practices to further develop that positive mechanism in the body for you to fully actualize your pubescent mechanism Yes, to find out who you are? One of those things being retaining your semen, hanging out naked with your bros and shaking your dick around in nature. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Doing Working what the dominators, yeah, doing what the dominator systems calls gay shit can actually increase your procreative urge. Mm -hmm. It's just most mm -hmm. guys who are doing gay shit are doing it with poppers, crystal meth, uh, drugs and alcohol, you know, and then they're just ejaculating all over the place. So they're not doing enough to charge up that polarity so it's really mostly depleting. And I, I don't mean to say that all men who engage in same-sex eroticism are doing that, but there is, unfortunately, a very, 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 very high level of drug abuse and alcoholism in communities of men who have sex with men, partly because of the vilification and scapegoating, because I got sucked into that. You feel like it's almost like the whole world hates you. So what do you do to get by? You numb yourself. 
Um, but but I liked how who was I think it was uh, Logan who was talking about this beginning. It's like regardless of whether you identify as gay or straight or whatever, we can all benefit as men of this species from a, a sense of platonic comfort male bonding. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Totally agree. I find Absolutely. even not, <laughs> not all um, homosexual men that I've worked with are like this, but I have worked with men who struggle with it. And when they find it to be a struggle or they're like, I just want to like fuck a dude. And like, I've worked with men who are married and they're like struggling with this attraction to men. And, and when I've done same sex bonding with them, they're like, it goes away. It's like, I just wanted to feel connected to another dude. And then the only thing they've been taught is like, okay, well, I'm a tr- I want connection to a dude. So I need to go and find some grimy sex situation or I need to like watch some gay porn and when I hang out with them and we do some work and we hang out we're naked breathe into our balls whatever look at each other's balls give each other a hug like some of these dudes I've worked with they're like man my son wants to hang out with me more my wife's more into me I don't have these weird dark urges mm-hmm. it's crazy it's, it's like the opposite of homeopathy it's like what what Will says with like iron sharpening iron Bromeopathy. Bromeopathy. Yeah, exactly. It's like there probably there's a part of their psyche that realizes I don't have enough of this masculine energy to Mm. fully develop. Let me get as close as I possibly can to a pillar of that strong energy Mm. so that I can be imbued with it. And then the body ends up going through these, you know, uh, misplacements. You know, I need to have sex all the time to do this. That's one mechanism. Sure. It could be the right one for you at that time or it may not be the right one. So it's Mm. figuring out what it is that that impulse is giving you and whether or not you're going about it the right way. Oh, that's so good. And if your body's not prepared, if it's not detoxed enough, you're not gonna actually get the charge that you want by doing same sex erotic. Yeah, it'll ricochet off of you. So the Kundalini Yogis talk about how it's important to strengthen the nervous system. So this kind of leads into the next part of the interview is like what good daily habits do we all do that keep us in our highest things like cold plunging to strengthen the nervous system so that you can actually channelize more of this divine masculine prowess that you get from bro bonding and that you can actually hold it in your being without it being too much for your system or for it to just ricochet off of you because you're, you know, you're so desensitized um, and you're so your nervous system is so shot from like, for example, Coke, which was my story. That's, that's what happened to me. And the Kundalini yoga has been so helpful in helping to strengthen my electromagnetic fields that I can, really, you know, benefit from these practices in a balanced way. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you guys a chance to go first. Yeah, I've talked enough recently. Mm-hmm. So. For me, uh, part of my daily practice is first thing, cold shower. Um, sometimes it's, in, you know, there are seasons where I'm taking cold river dips, but yeah, right now I'm in the season of cold showers. And uh, in that I, I give myself a nice, beautiful testicle massage, mm-hmm. really feel into my balls that day and i man i noticed i'm just getting fuller and fuller and stronger and stronger um every day the more i do this stuff um and then incorporate breath work and good nutrition good Mm. nutrition sunlight exposing my whole body to the sun as much as i can um yeah eating organic food um eating really clean meat harvesting sustainable meats i I recently i have the a buffalo that i recently Mm -hmm. harvested so been um yeah consuming a lot of that with some good tallow and butter really good fats that uh just give me a a lot of energy and then of course detoxification with food um with the superfoods the purium superfoods and um and dance 
dance is such a, a just a transmutative practice for myself. A lot of something that was coming up earlier is, you know, when Logan, when you're talking about the uh, moving of the, the pelvic floor and the hips um, and giving people permission to be like, oh, we can do that, right? Like this work has allowed me to like access the deep sensual activations in my hips. And so now when I go to dance, like I, I actually have this, ref somebody reflected this to me um, on Thursday and she's like, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to dance with you. Um, but I'm like, I'm going with this, through this challenge with my partner um, right now. And, uh, but I wanted to dance with you because it's like making love. And, and, I, and she's like, I've heard that from other people who dance with you. It's, they feel like they're making love with you. And it's, and it's not just like the sex, sexual love. It's like actual connection of love. And so being able to access more of the sensuality in my body has then carried over into my real life, being able to dance and listen and be present with the people that I'm with so we can access love, love making in every single moment. And so dance has been a very therapeutic outlet for me to express everything that we have tapped into in these practices. So yeah, I could keep going on and on, but I'm going to leave it at that for now. Praise. Amen. That was delicious delivery. Yes. Uh, this has been such a great podcast. We've been going for an hour and a half. It feels like so quick, so fast. We're in the flow. In the absolute flow. How can men's work and sexual Kung Fu contribute to a larger conversation around masculinity and sexuality in society? Happy to jump in on that, on that question. Will, did you want us to answer the previous one, all of us, or just, Oh yes. One? Answer the previous one. If you have anything you want to share for sure. Uh, only thing I would add, cause I feel like we all live a very similar lifestyle. The principles of health apply to everybody at all times. So obviously the food, the sunlight, the, the movement, the connection to community, but, other one I would say for me in particular, I notice is running my practice, being with mm -hmm. clients, the holding space for others forces me into typically my divine masculine more and more. So it's stoking through that relationship, not necessarily in a, a um, codependent way, though that does sometimes show up with clients where they need me to be their parent, but the practice of can I be the divine father for this person on this day is no different than doing sex kung fu exercises or getting out in the sunlight. So there's a beautiful connection available also as practitioners when you're at work that it's for you. It's therapist-centered therapy. It's not about the client. If you're happiest and you're fully alive in your practice, they will get the benefits and you'll give them the best guidance possible. You got to be juicy from the experience, not depleted which mm -hmm. is that divine masculine of like, I retain my seed, though I'm still love making with you. Nice. I'm not constantly depleted and giving you my life force as a practitioner. I'm letting the therapeutic process between us mm -hmm. be this love dance making juicy hips rocking back and forth. But this is for me, I'm keeping my energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Brian, what do you do? What do you do? What do I do? <laughs> Um, very similar, yeah, to like JP, you know, like, uh, and you know, one thing I'll preface this with for anyone who's listening is it's simple. Mm -hmm. And most things in life are simple. And you know, like, where it gets confusing is the mind, you know, this is too boring or 
can't be this easy lack of consistency but what is it for me yeah getting outside exposure to sun breath is huge i'd say every human i don't like to use the word should but i'm gonna should have a breathing practice like mm -hmm. it's it's original spirit um yeah like foods like quality of food where i get the food from also relationship to food there's a lot of talk about like the physical chemistry of food but also there's like i feel gratitude for food and i like take a moment to like prepare myself energetically when i receive it um it's information right um yeah and i think it's just also like the way in which like my perspective towards life like i wake up and i'm like i'm alive today this is mm. like this is potent opportunity here like um so i'm not going waking up and like looking like oh well it will something amazing happen it's like i'm going to make something amazing happen and that's like a i think a vital practice um to all of you like to this component it's like and all what this work has done as well is it's re made me realize like i'm the again the narrator and the architect and the the director um but yeah those are like practices that i that i condone that have brought me into more i guess wellness you could say <laughs> nice yeah yeah mm -hmm. oh yeah one last thing i have to say too yeah it's a remembering i think a lot of people are looking for like how do i do this it's like you if like you your outside world that that way you'll stumble upon the information you need and then tune in to see if it feels right mm -hmm. so, you know like ultimately we have to like if you take the lens of remembering as opposed to learning it's much more empowering to think like oh my body actually knows what's right and i already i naturally know what to do and anything in my experience is just leading me to that that highest most powerful thing like just adopt that lens for a moment and and watch miracles happen before your eyes Mm -hmm. <laughs> love that thanks brother i had tom barnett on my podcast he had a video a viral video early 2020 about you know how viruses don't exist and that whole thing and but we were talking about something else we were, i was asking him what good daily he, habits he has and he was talking about kind of like feeling like you're in a pillar you know supported from heaven above and earth below and when you when you feel very protected and in your body in a good way when you feel juicy in your own body you don't really get phased by praise or criticism as much mm -hmm. and really. you're able to just be as you be and that's what i admire and respect about all you guys is you just be as you be and you don't really you know not you don't seem to be very inflated by praise or deflated by criticism it gets me thinking of like can we can we transcend the victor victim mentality and like the victim you know everyone's like oh yeah don't be a victim but it's like also don't be a victor not mm. in the sense of don't celebrate yourself but in the sense of i want to find equanimity and if i associate the self myself to i've won well at some point i'm going to lose it's a closed yeah. system what goes up must come down so rather it's like um like my, i'll witness my ego be like yeah oh no i lost oh i did it but it's like at the end of the day i'm like man this is like it's all a game yes I can't ever lose, nor can I ever really win, you know, <laughs> if you really expand out that far. <laughs> I think some people who like, if they ever have resistance to, to that, like resuming out the hyper spiritual, if that's just like somehow what Brian's saying just feels like too spiritual, let yourself enjoy it. It's the resistance to letting yourself go into the full victim in the full victor mode that removes the charge. So that's the way to, to get out of it by going through it. It's the same process. So hmm. as long as you're comfortable knowing you're going to at some point fail and at some point succeed or live up to your expectations or not, 
and you're happy to do both, then you're good. You said it very well. That's that's the way to say it. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. like when you try to grasp onto one, it's like they're both going to happen. So just let them happen. Mm -hmm. You guys heard of Carp Carpman's drama triangle? This no. is something Kelly Brogan talked about when she was on the show. I just pulled it up here. I think it's pertinent to what we're talking about. The drama triangle, we move around the triangle until one of us moves out and into a clear and healthy communication pattern. And she was giving the example of one of her friends was finding it hard to pay her rent one month. And the friend was asking her for a loan. And Kelly thought, well, no, because that's going to put her in the role of victim. And it's going to put her, it's going to put Kelly in the role of savior. And so she, and if she were to give her the money, she would be denying this friend's ability to be able to manifest her own solution and be her own savior. So she didn't give her the loan. And then the friend was able to find the money um, by making it or something. So the lower frequency versions are uh, persecutor, also known as bully, um, victim, also known as helpless, and rescuer, also known as savior. And at first blush, we're taught that you know the, the bully and the victim are the bad roles, but they're all disempowering. Even the savior is disempowering. Mm. So persecutor or bully is critical, judgmental, argumentative, lashes out, blame, driven by anger or resentment, rigid in thinking, bossy, dominating or oppressive, me first attitude. It's important to be right. But then there's a transmuted, like a higher version of each role. Mm -hmm. So to get out of the bully role, you go, you turn into the challenger with clear structure. And the qualities of the challenger are communicate assertively, express thoughts slash feelings slash ideas without being overbearing, set boundaries, be an active listener, um, ask questions instead of ordering slash blaming, be accountable for yourself, make expectations clear, don't threaten people to get your way, collaborate and consider the other. So that's going from persecutor into the higher version, which is the challenger. And then there's the victim. The victim role, they feel oppressed, they feel helpless, ashamed, feeling powerless, incapable, dependent on others. They're seeking a rescuer. They can't solve the problem or make decisions to help themselves. They have a poor me attitude. Self-pity avoids responsibility, uh, views self as lesser than others. So the higher version of that role, you turn in this, into the survivor or the thriver uh, with problem solving. So you state what you want slash need and take action to move forward. Keep agreements and follow through with your commitments. Dispute your old thinking and ask yourself about the healthy way of getting what you want. Acknowledge your strengths and make note of your progress. Reflect on your strengths. Appreciate your uniqueness and accept yourself for being you. Ask for support, not rescuing. Accept your vulnerabilities. So victim turns into survivor. And then last but not least, the rescuer, which is also a disempowering role. This is their qualities. The savior, uh, overhelpful, enabler that can be a martyr, feels responsible for others, fixes other people's problems, makes sacrifices for others and discounts personal needs, sees self as rescuer, sees others as uh, helpless, feels guilt when problems can't be solved, keeps the victim dependent, rescuing creates a sense of being capable. 
So to flip that or to raise the vibration of that, you turn into the coach with clear support. Say, I care about you and I know you are capable. Don't do for others what they can do for themselves. Be willing to listen without taking on other people's problems and pain. Set boundaries that reflect your limitations. Take care of your needs. Listen to your gut. Offer compassion over solutions. Support instead of rescue. Help only when asked to. Allow others to think and do for themselves. And Kelly talks about how the allopathic, like the Western medical system is invariably a perfect example of the lower frequency version of the drama triangle. There's the persecutor, which is your own body, right? Like we're 10 to one microbes, yet everybody's now scared of microbes. So we're taught to like have the persecutor literally be our own body. The savior is the doctor in the white lab coat, and then you're the victim. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, what you just described there for me, at least has been the transcendence of all of the tools that I've used that we've talked about. And especially with sex Kung Fu that has allowed me to then move towards those, uh, divine archetypes per se. Um, yeah, I think that's something that I've noticed within myself with sex Kung Fu is I'm able to be more intentional, more grounded. And as a coach, come from a place of challenging, of empowering, of seeing people of what they're really capable of. And mm-hmm. what it's also allowed me to do in my clients is, you know, there's this like idea of like manifestation and some people will try to manifest by not doing shit. Well, in my understanding and belief what this allows us to do is it gives us the juice it gives us the the energy to manifest so we can go out into the world with this new lens and be the creator like there have been so many times as an entrepreneur in my early days where i would have to ask for help but since practicing sex kung fu or i i chose to ask for for help but now as practicing sex kung fu like when things get challenging i'm like well, let's see where this goes. Let's see how I can create, how I can work with this sexual cultivated life force energy to now produce and to build. And so that's just my my reflection of everything that you were, you were sharing and all that. Amen. I, I think a lot of people have some misunderstandings too about the immature archetypes versus the divine archetypes as if those are the final destination. It's the entire diagram that you need to have access to at all times without resistance. That's the integrated, balanced being. So someone who can allow themselves to fully enjoy the manipulator or you know whatever the, the titles for these particular archetypes mm-hmm. were, if you have no resistance to letting that charge your body, if you're in a position of power, do it in a safe space. If you're noticing that stoking part of you and you're the doctor, go see what what the truth is behind a part of your psyche wanting to be in that position. Fully let it enliven your body and it will eventually turn off that neurological desire so that you can genuinely access the higher divinities. If you're trying to just access the higher divine archetype, there's always going to be a repressed one pulling you back down. So if you have no resistance to any point on that triangle and all the scale of archetypes you're good baby because people can trust you to enjoy that archetype and not use them to play out the role they are in you and that's all it needs to be you don't have to act on it 
but you can allow yourself to enjoy it. Mm. Well said. Beautiful. And that's what makes you more trustable to men and women. Exactly. Work. Yeah, I love being a sadistic motherfucker sometimes. Like, it feels good to some degree, as long as it's not on someone. It's not played out in reality. I get to enjoy it on a pillow, and it stokes my body just like a sex kung fu exercise. The problem mm. is when it it's put on, on the wrong scenario in life. Mm -hmm. And would you say that practices like sexual kung fu where you're basically improving the health of your glandular system you're basically blessing all of your glands and raising the frequency of the mini brain of each chakra each, each gland so that's going to help you in the long run transmute from the persecutor into the challenger the victim into the survivor and the rescuer into the coach because mm -hmm. these mini brains are vibrating at a higher frequency all throughout your body yeah and the moments that those mini organs do yet a temporary decrease in frequency the oscillation is very quick because you've learned how to go down enjoy it and then come out of it rather than mm. steeping in it or resisting the slope down mm. you know if you're a car driving in neutral you're going to want to let yourself slide down the hill so you can get out of it quickly mm. beautiful well, thank you guys for being on the show. We went for almost three hours. This has been, apart from my interview with uh, Dr. Amanda Vollmer, this is the second longest of all 90 episodes or so. So thank you guys. It's been oh, great. Yeah. I might even cut it into two and release it in two chunks. We'll see. I think we only did two hours. Oh, really? We started at one. We started at one, didn't we? Yeah, it should be two hours. And now it's three. Now it's so. two fifty. Oh yeah, one, two, three. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch one thing. One thing. Sex kung fu doesn't make you better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> math. You're hoping to get better at math and doing oh. your taxes. It's a little start. Yeah. Because it's exponential. You're like one and one equals eleven. Eleven. 11. <laughs> Infinity. Like I'm on. I'm on that, that exponential divine energy right now, guys. Sorry. That's good. <laughs> two hours. That's good. That's, good. that's a good good chunk of time so anything else you need from us will before we wrap up if anybody um wants to share how about we go around just share where people can find you online how about we start with brian sure absolutely i um you can find me at karew c-a-r-e-w movement.com um, that's probably the best place to find me right now you can find my programs and the safe space which is like a holistic educational portal where you can self-directed um breath work and sex kung fu and movement everything so find me there or on nice. instagram karu underscore embodiment beautiful and jp yeah um you guys can find me at instagram uh jpk experience um and then facebook john paul kingston mm -hmm. and i i do have a website that's in under construction right now um but i do have a program that's being launched and that's called the experience program where we dive into subconscious rewiring um, along with nervous system regulation and um, yeah, just really setting yourself up for greater success in all levels of life. <clears throat> and that can be found at jpkexperience.com slash experience program. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that. Beautiful. 
and I'll include any um, links you want me to share, just uh, email them to me and I'll include them in the show notes. And how about you, Mr. Quinn? You can find me at medicineofman.com. Uh, same on Instagram, medicineofman. And if you guys are out of Vancouver, you can also find me at massagingthepsyche.com, which is my mentorship course for individuals and practitioners to understand the landscape of the psyche and how the body and psyche interact. So if you're a breathwork practitioner, plant medicine provider, massage therapist, psychiatrist, this will help you understand the interconnected web that creates physical symptoms versus psychic symptoms and how to rehabilitate that. I love that. Beautiful. So juicy, guys. Thanks for all your juicy offerings and for being the change that you wish to see in the world. And if anybody wants to check out my stuff, it's willblunderfield.ca. And we have, Logan and I have an epic uh, one-off workshop coming up on the 15th of April. It's called The Sound of Creation. Logan channelized that name. And we're basically going to be showing you how to use primal sounds, uh, solfeggio frequencies, and ancient mantras from different cultures, including Egyptian, Gaelic, and Ayurvedic mantras to basically increase the frequency of those mini brains of your glands so that you can be more and more yourself and less and less indoctrinated by the matrix. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. It's so much fun. So you can learn more about that uh, at um, willblunderfield.ca. Mm-hmm. Amazeballs. Thanks, guys. This, this is so good to drop in with you guys. Yeah. You as well. And that is a wrap, my friends, on today's episode of the Urban Yogi Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to Logan, JP, and Brian as much as I enjoyed speaking with them. They brought so much wisdom and insight to the conversation. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to share their perspectives with you. And as always, if you have any feedback or questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on social media at Urban Yogi Podcast, or you can send us an email at willblunderfield.ca slash contact. Before we go, I want to remind you to subscribe to the Urban Yogi Podcast on your favorite streaming service. We are global. We are on every platform ranging from Audible to Spotify to iTunes to Apple Play to Deezer to Napster, all the different ones. We have so many amazing guests and topics lined up, and we can't wait to share them with you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Urban Yogi Podcast. Yeah.